cliffcentral.com. Yes, indeed. Uh, Nando's is the sponsor this morning, as they are every week of our opportunity to have the most important conversations with you. Pumi Mashiho and I are ready to take you through some of the affairs of the week, some of the big stories, some of the things that are happening in politics, in the economy, and in society that you might want to be paying attention to. And we're glad that you could join us this Thursday morning. We're going to have a little bit later on Herman Mashaba, former mayor of Johannesburg, and uh, the leader of Action SA, something he launched a year ago in August 2020. He served as mayor from 2016 to 2019, and he's putting his hand up to do it again. And guess what, Pumi? It's his birthday as well today. Aha! Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we've got Dr. Mpo Palatse, who's not only a qualified medical doctor, which at this time makes you like in the, the grand priesthood of humanity, right? Because coronaviruses are over overwhelming and overarching concern. But she is also a certified independent medical examiner with the American Board of Independent Medical Examiners. She holds an advanced diploma in postgraduates and sorry, in project management and program management. And she's decided to go into politics. She came to the Alex Clinic where the living conditions of the community just upset her enormously and she decided, screw this, I'm going to become a counselor. And she joined the DA. The aim is to contribute towards repair and restoration of Alex Township, where she was asked to serve as the MMC for Health and Social Development. So she's already got a little bit of a taste of politics, but it'll be nice to speak to two people who've already got some experience there and see what the two of them think of the local and municipal elections, which are coming up this year. And we'll find out about what their policies are and what their priorities are going forward. So we mentioned earlier in the show, and I'm just going to refer back to two of the stories that we already brought up, the one being Julius Malema lashing out at the ANC for tactics to retain power ahead of the local elections. We've spoken about the EFF a couple of times on the show, but I do think let's start with them right now, Pums. Um, you mentioned that you think it's really rich for Julius to be talking about breaking lockdown, which he says the EFF are going to do now. They don't care about lockdown anymore. When he was such a huge advocate for lockdown just a short while ago, and he was one of the people who was most afraid of lockdowns and said, we must carry them on indefinitely, basically. Now, because it doesn't suit his political needs, he's anti-lockdown. But I think that the whole country is feeling a little bit anti-lockdown at the moment, don't you? People are just living what we have now. I I don't even know if we're level three or level four or level two or level one, right? So (laughs) people are just living, people are living their lives now. They've kind of gotten, which is what South Africans do all the time, right? We've kind of gotten over it. Is there even still a curfew? You know, you just... You get used to it. And that's what happens. That's what happens when things, when things change, they become normalized. We get used to it and we just normalize and we move on. Party has plateaued. They're failing to yeah. gain seats in, in various municipalities and by elections. And, and they have this big, big, big elephant in the room, which is the VBS scandal. Every other week, more skeletons come out the closet. And I think that thing is going to cost them dearly. So he's just trying to rattle the cage and, you know, be relevant. But unfortunately, I think it's a little bit too little too late. Well, there are other stories we can turn our attention to, and we will during the course of the Burning Platform this morning. But first, let us welcome for the first time to the show, uh, Dr. Mpopalatse. It's very nice to see you, Mpop. We can well. We can kind of see you. You're in. You're in a bit of shadow there. Are you the DA's really shadow? <laughs> Are you the DA's shadow? <laughs> health and safety. What's the story? <laughs> yeah. 
You know what? Last minute change of plans. We've actually got counsel today. So I had to come to the Metro Center and I realized my lighting's not very good. Yeah, we're starting at eight o'clock with a memorial service. So oh, we're improvising. Really sorry about that. But I hear it's your birthday. Is that true? It, it, it is my birthday, but let's not make too much of a fuss about that. <laughs> oh, and why is that? <laughs> because also, how are you, sir? Good morning, Gareth, and uh, happy birthday. And um... <laughs> happy birthday to you. It, it, it is your, it's your birthday as well, right? It's uh, I'm an, a 62-year-old man. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Happy so, birthday to both of you. Thank, thank you very you, much. Thank you, Paul. Lovely to see you. Lovely to so, see you too. Let's uh, get straight to it, guys, because Johannesburg is the most important city in South Africa. I don't care what Cape Tonians or people in Durban say. Johannesburg is also the economic hub. We've got local and municipal elections coming up this year, um, as long as the ANC allow us to have elections this year, because there's still talk that they want to postpone. Uh, in any case, it's time for us to look at what the future of, of Johannesburg is. And there are people all over the country in their own municipalities and localities who are looking at what their futures mean. Um, Paul, you're running as the DA's mayoral candidate, a, a, a position that Herman has occupied before. He's also been mayor already for some time, and he's just started Action SA uh, about a year ago. We're going to find out from Herman what he thinks these local and municipal elections mean. But you're, you're the new kid on the block. Um, first of all, there are all those questions, and the most obvious question that I'm going to ask you is probably the one that you hate answering because you've had to answer it so many times. But what is a, a, a talented black woman doing in the DA when we've been told so many times by people who are not necessarily fans of the DA that it's a white party and that really all the black people in it are, are just uh, they're there for window dressing? Um, and, and why would you join the DA when you could have joined any other party too? Um, yeah, thanks for that question, Gareth. I mean, I've never actually been asked this question publicly, and I think it's time that I said I had my say about this, being an African woman. I decided to join the Democratic Alliance in 2015. Um, I, I was working as a medical doctor. I experienced a lot of problems on the ground, both professionally and as a community member, seeing how other people around me were living. And particularly when I worked in Alexandra, it was the mm -hmm. state of the living conditions of the people at the time that really made me make one of the biggest decisions of my life, which was to quit my job, my business, and go and serve and be part of the solution. Now, I was coming out of an academic space. I had been at Wits University for four years where I was specializing in public health medicine and I wanted to bring my professional skills into the political space to influence the space to help the people and when you do that you then look at which party will best serve you as a professional best support you to be able to do what you need to do and for me there's no other party the Democratic Alliance is a a it's a professional party they're about governance they're about good governance. Um, it's a meritocratic organization. They're all about what you bring to the table. Um, I don't think I would have been able to offer all of the skills that I've offered in another party, say in the ANC, for instance, where you have to probably have been in the struggle, you know, so many years ago, or you must be from a family that's been in the struggle. I mean, we see a lot of talented people in the ANC who are still waiting in the fringes and their skills are not being utilized simply because they don't have the street cred or 
or whatever um, the, the qualification criteria is within the African National Congress. So for me, the Democratic Alliance offered me the kind of space I wanted to work in, but it, also in terms of the value system of the Democratic Alliance as, as, as much as well as the policies, I was really attracted to that. Um, you know, our values are freedom, fairness, opportunity, and diversity. Um, diversity, yes, racial diversity being one of them, but diversity is so diverse in itself. You know, it also speaks to a diversity of skills, a diversity of backgrounds, whether cultural, religious, and for me, it's just a melting pot of amazing people, and it stimulates me as an intellectual, and it, it pushes me to become a better person and to give better to the people around me. The policies of the Democratic Alliance, if I look at the policies, they're evidence-based policies, they're not populist policies, therefore, you know, um, I, I can relate as an academic, as a researcher myself, sometimes we, we get tempted as politicians to say things that will win us votes, but we know at the back of our minds they'll never work. And so we lie to the electorate in order to get their vote, and then we disappoint them thereafter. What I love about the Democratic Alliance is the honesty, the fact that they rely on research more than anything else, evidence-based research to, to compile policies, and those are the policies that we then roll out. I'm going to stop you there because... Uh, uh, Pumi's got a couple of questions too, and I don't want to. I don't want to take up all the time with mine. Go, Pums. <laughs> so I'm a constituent. So welcome to both of you, and I'm very excited to have this conversation. And boy, uh, it's very lovely to to meet you, and hopefully we'll we'll also be able to get to see you a little bit through the campaigning process, even though it's a little late. So I'm going to give you a chance in two minutes to campaign to me as a constituent, because one of the things that is the biggest headache, I think, for a lot of Joburg residents is the billing crisis. What's your plan with that? Two minutes. Right. Put me with any situation. I mean, I'm a doctor, I've already said, you know, and you need to firstly assess the situation. Number one, what is the problem? What exactly is the problem with the billing crisis? Why is it not working? You need to look at the entire value chain from beginning to end. It often involves more than one stakeholder. And that's the difficulty with government a lot of times where we're unable to resolve issues is that we don't know how to work longitudinally across departments, across entities, what we call transversal management. The idea is to bring everyone together, let everybody talk to each other and say, what are we not getting right? Where is the communication broken? What What is wrong with our data? Is it not credible? Are we not co collecting properly? And so on. Once you do that, you map out your value chain, you're able to see where the blockages are or the challenges are, then you're able to then have very um, customized solutions to resolve those issues. I believe that even when we were in government, there was a solution for the billing crisis. I believe that we just did not have enough time to, to implement those solutions because, as you know, we were only in government for three years. But having spoken to a few people, even now, a few experts, a few people who have been involved, the solution is there. It's really just about bringing, back, bringing everybody in one room, looking at what needs to happen and making sure it happens. You, know, you need to performance manage and you need to see it through. Okay. Um, and Paul, it almost, I mean, the best um, the best metaphor I can see for this in, in respect of you being a doctor is it's triage, right? You, you determine, like, 
what is who's the person who's most at risk that we can do the most for and which people must we put less effort and energy into because they've passed it and they're far gone and and let's try to save lives i mean it's the same with the billing crisis but Herman, I want to bring you in, and I, I don't mean to beat you up on your birthday because you know a lot of people, when, when a politician has a track record, good or bad, and and you know yours yours is, is in some people's opinion terrific, and in other people's opinion it's not so great. Um, there's someone who says here, please ask Herman straight up front. I mean our listeners don't mess around, Herman. Uh, this person says, if Herman Mashaba can't fix potholes, why would he run again? Now, what, do you want to address that just in the greater context of having been mayor, having tried your best there in that role? I have no reason to, to doubt that you're a man of good faith. So you tried your, your, your hand at being mayor. And in the end, it kind of came undone, DA, EFF, whatever the reasons might have been. Do you want to explain yourself in your own words so that people can at least take a moment to, to hear your side of the story? And then we can move on to what your plans are going forward with Action SA. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Gareth. And please don't hold anything back. I think, uh, you know, to be a public official, you have the responsibility to be accountable. So this uh, listener who says uh, Herman Mashaba was unable to fix uh, uh, a pothole, it must be someone who's living probably somewhere on Mars. Uh, because uh, when I took over the city of Johannesburg, the first thing I did was to actually run uh, a study to see the backlog because we, uh, we inherited a city that was in decay, which was classified as a world-class African city by our delusional um, former um, mayor. I did a study uh, as a business person to really understand what I'm dealing with. And a few months later, released that study. It is there for anybody to see. Uh, we, we were sitting with, at the time, 170 billion rands worth of infrastructure backlog. With only eight billion rands of um, infrastructure spend, uh, the, 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 the capex uh, to, to spend. So, if anyone would have expected uh, Herman Mashaba or anybody to have um, fixed a 170 billion rands uh, uh, backlog uh, in, in 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 three years with a, with with the eight billion rands, I think that person uh, must be living somewhere else. One thing that uh, it, it, it is clear when I left the city of Johannesburg. The report, which is there on uh, everywhere in the city's website, on, on XNSA's website, where you can see the, the improvement, working under extremely difficult uh, environment, extremely, running a seven-way multi-party um, uh, coalition, as you are aware. Uh, when we took over the DA, we only had 38%. We had to rely on other parties uh, to support um, our efforts because uh, uh, min the municipal government is one of the most highly regulated environment. You as a mayor, you re prepare reports uh, which must go to council for approval for the city manager and the administration to and, 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 and Herman sometimes those partners that you have to take on aren't acting in good faith either because they're trying to get what they want out of it right well, I can tell you the most difficult partner in, in this relationship was the DA. I think everybody else, to be honest with you, are neutrally different. <laughs> the most difficult partner in, in this arrangement was the DA because the DA, from literally from day one, came out with their arrogance uh, that um, 
uh, I should not really provide uh, services uh, to, uh, to people who are not uh, who are not taxpayers, people who did not really vote for them. I mean, Dr. Palazzi was one of the greatest uh, uh, public servants I've really had an opportunity and privilege to work with, really opening clinics. So from day one, when I took over the first week, uh, I commissioned uh, to do a study of opening uh, um, uh, a pilot clinic, and I gave that responsibility, taking the budget of the international travel, which uh, the, the former mayor was going to use, and I said, Dr. Palazzi, Please run this pilot project in Princess because people were dying. I discovered this when I was campaigning. And uh, uh, without any doubt, uh, she executed uh, her her mandate with... with, with I have a question. I I have a question. (laughs) The question, uh, Dr. Masham... First, a comment. We have a a fan who thinks I hate the DA. And it's, it's, his, it's his favorite comment to make on every burning platform that I hate the DA. And I'm, I'm interested to hear, Paul, your response to the fact that being inside for three years, that the Mashaba comes out to say his biggest wrangling a coalition, his biggest resistance was from your party. What do you think you're going to do differently going into this? But before you answer that, Ntata Mashaba, you were the mayor for three years. And nothing has changed in terms of the people in the in the arena. So the people in that coalition that you had to work with as the mayor are still going to be there. You're coming in as a small party when you couldn't, with a much bigger party, wrangle and keep that the, the, the reins over everybody to do what you said you wanted to do. You couldn't do that. What will have changed when, if you get the job, what will have changed and how will you wrangle it differently this time? Why must I believe that you can? Well, I think uh, fortunate enough, um, I've got record in, in writing, recorded, uh, that when I was the mayor, I fired more the ANC cadres in government than all the municipalities combined in uh, in, in 22 years. Uh, brutal, making sure that we can put professional people to run our administration. Uh, Dr. Palazzi can tell you. in a- Mara, you gave up and walked away. You gave up and walked away. I think if you, if you had listened to me earlier on uh, uh, and also listened to my speech, uh, which is there, you can read as to why I left uh, the, uh, the, the, the DA. Uh, my chief of staff has written a book about how the DA made it impossible, did not really want uh, us to focus our energies also in, in the black uh, communities. And that's something that made it impossible because once they started having secret meetings with the ANC to remove me because our, they, as far as they are concerned, I was a cheeky black uh, who was not prepared to listen. And I said, I'm not taking this nonsense. I'm not the kind of person that is pushed around. So once they started having uh, the sacred meetings with the, with the ANC, what was the point? Because, yes, uh, they were going, they already made arrangements with the, with the councillors to have a secret uh, vote of no confidence against me. So do you think I'm stupid to wait to be pushed? And I said, OK, have your party and go and serve your constituency. So that's the only thing, honestly, I think I'm telling you, it, and I'm not saying this because Dr. Palazzi, is, Dr. Palazzi saved the city with distinction. I'm just really concerned, is he going to get the mandate from the DA to save all the communities? Because all right. government, when you save, not just... Yeah, go ahead, Mpo. 
Yeah, well, you know, um, there's always three sides to a story, uh, you know, and I was there when all of this unfolded, and I was also there after um, then Mayor Herman Rashaba left, and and I, I think I've got a bird's eye view of what happened here. I've, we've already talked about the DA being the most diverse party in South Africa, and that diversity is not only racial, it's also diversity of skills, qualifications. You know, you've got a, a, a really combination of brilliant minds in a caucus of 104 people. Now, to be able to lead 104 people, all with brilliant ideas of how things ought to be resolved, you require certain skills. You require a diversity management skills. You know, you require social recognition, you require a relationship management skills. And I think that was really the difficulty here, is that, you know, um, Mr. Mashaba is a great businessman, as we all know, but coming from the business space into a political space where you 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 require a different leadership style. You're not going to be able to dictate to people what ought to happen, but you need to intelligently negotiate your way through. You need to sell your ideas, listen to other people's ideas, compromise where you need to compromise, and reach a common ground. And a lot of these issues, whether to cut grass in the suburbs or electrify an informal settlement, a lot of them are not mutually exclusive. We were not supposed to have such binaries in the first place. You're able to, in your infrastructure planning, you're able to plan for repairs and maintenance of what's already in existence while also planning to develop new areas. But when you have personality struggles and, and a leadership style which which in a diverse place, parties such as the Democratic Alliance could have been a bit of a mismatch, then you're bound to fail. Hmm. Hmm. She's she's kicking the ball right back into your court there, Herman. You you have a well, right to reply. Well, uh, good, good luck uh, to uh, Dr. Palazzi if uh, her management style is going to be to, uh, to, uh, to accept the nonsense. If uh, you tell me that uh, uh, black people uh, don't pay taxes, uh, they don't vote for the NC, therefore they don't uh, deserve uh, uh, service, and you expect me to accept that, I'm not that kind of person. Uh, 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 and wow. I actually said to caucus on many occasions that I was not trained to run a kindergarten I was there to serve society, and those who were looking for psychological help, I said, go somewhere else. We are here to serve society, and all societies. We are the most unequal society uh, for, for more than 300 years, made worse by, uh, to, uh, at the time, 22 years of ANC administration. ANC made us even much more uh, uh, unequal, and we needed to fix that. And uh, the DA's approach was that, uh, uh, no, the, the nature will sort this matter out. And I think Cape Town is a clear example of, of, of uh, DA administration. You know, Let's talk about Cape Town I, for I, a I second. At, I, I go to Cape Town. You look at Cape Town. My first trip to Cape Town was January of 1985. And I was in Cape Town a few months ago. The townships and the colored communities in Cape Town are worse than the word uh, pre-1994. So we cannot continue like this. We need to save all the communities. And if obviously that's how the DA believes uh, black and colored communities because they don't pay taxes, uh, they don't get uh, services. Good luck, Dr. Palazzi, if you think you're welcome. <laughs> no, let's, uh, uh, let's talk about municipal services. You know, I think we have, we have many listeners and not all of them are Johannesburg constituents. And so maybe to talk a little bit about broader municipal issues, right? So a couple of weeks ago, um, I want to say 
freedom under law or, or somebody like that put out a, a, um, a, a study about corruption in municipalities and the top five most corrupt municipalities in South Africa. I was very surprised to see that number five on that list is Cape Town. But corruption across South Africa and the municipalities is one of the reasons municipalities are unable to give services to everybody. How mm. would either one of you treat that differently? How do you how do you stive the rot? Because the rot is there and it's not just the municipal manager's office, it runs across the board. How would you stifle that kind of uh, corruption and change change the environment for the better? Well, I think I'm happy to come in first. Uh, fortunate enough, we're not really talking. Joburg remains number one, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I want to really come in because when I came into that city, discovered that the Johannesburg, the city of Johannesburg, was at the epicenter of the Gupta state capture. Uh, fact, uh, 34 billion rands worth of uh, fraud and corruption uh, led by the by by the two former mayors at the time. Jeff Makubu was the MMC of Finance and Park Stau as the mayor. They were leading this uh, this uh, corruption. Most of the cases with evidence of ba- bank accounts, including Jeff Makubu admitting in, in the Zonda Commission about uh, uh, being uh, actually uh, at, at the uh, uh, the lead person in this corruption. Unfortunately, our criminal justice system completely captured. You can ask uh, the head of the National Prosecuting Authority at national level. You can ask uh, 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 Advocate Chauke in Houting. Ask him the cases he's got um, uh, under administration. Over 6,000 uh, cases, uh, 34 billion rands worth of corruption cases where people are supposed to have been in jail by now. Unfortunately, the city does not have the competency to prosecute. We can only prepare uh, the cases and we established the first municipality in the city because of the, the volume of corruption brought to my attention. We formed an independent group forensic and investigation services headed by General Sibia and we gave him the mandate to bring some of the best teams coming from the Scorpions to investigate these cases, give them to the prosecuting authority to prosecute. Unfortunately, um, even up to now, as Action SA, some of the cases we are pursuing them right now to ask them to give us the right for private prosecution, they are refusing to do that. So you can't do anything about it, is what you're saying? No, no, we can. I'm say, I've just told you what we're doing, but it is by law. We, unfortunately, South Africa operates within the laws. So a municipality can, does not have prosecutors. You can't, prosec- you can't prosecute. So you can prepare and you give it to national government to prosecute. So we don't have, the city of Johannesburg does not have its own prisons. Just look at how many times uh, when I was the mayor, when these cases were coming to, to my attention, I said to, to national government, please, um, can you as, gov- as parliament give us the right to have our own prosecutors, have our own prisons, mm. so that I can put this down into prison? I hear you, and, and I, I still understand you to be saying, with all the will in the world, what you want to do and what you can do are not the same. So without the support of national government, you may want to stop the corruption, you may want to investigate, you may want to put people in prison, but you cannot. 
Because yes, it's not it's not uh, <laughs> it's, by uh, a competency of a municipality. I, uh, so I'm clear, Hori, that that's not going to stop or end because you cannot do it. No, it, it, no it, it, will, it will stop the day when people of uh, South Africa can realize mm. that they need to go out and vote uh, this corrupt uh, tax of the ANC out of power. For as long okay. as people no, no. stay away from voting, then we must accept the consequences. We hear that and we understand that. And one thing we all agree on uh, in, in this conversation, which is not controversial and doesn't really require much debate, is that we all agree that the ANC is a malignant force in politics at the moment. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm curious about Mpo's answer to the question about corruption, Pumi, uh, which you posed. And I'm sure that you have a couple of practical solutions. And maybe you also want to refer to Herman's answer in, in yours. Yeah, thanks, Gareth. Um, you know, I was there when the, the Group Forensic Investigations Unit was established, and they've done really amazing work and uncovering a lot of corruption in the city, um, you know. But what also happened in in that time was that there were also officials who unfortunately were wrongfully accused of corruption. And, I mean, I had one in the Department of Social Development, for instance, an elderly lady who was wrongfully accused, went through the court process, lost her house, fighting for her innocence, to prove her innocence. And by the time she came back to work, I think over a year later, she had lost so much. Um, I've had officials saying, you know, we've got brilliant ideas, we want to work with the city, but we, we're being called snakes and we're demoralized. And I realized from that that, you know, it's, it's about the character and the what is going to be your approach? Yes, we need to root out corruption, but how are we doing it? We need to uncover it and we need to continue pursuing um, the, the criminal justice system to, 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 to deal with these cases on the one hand. On the other hand, we need to encourage our officials. We need to encourage good behavior. We need to look at culture change internally, look at how we can reward good behavior, how we can reward um, those officials who are not um, 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 taking, uh, who are not participating in corruption. A more balanced approach, an approach of, you know, we want to work with you, work with us, winning people over to your side, influencing them with your own value system. I believe that we need a more balanced approach and not just one that is punitive and that just calls people snakes and even um, even in instances wrongfully accuses and really demoralizes some good officials. Hmm. For me, is I have so- a question around longevity. I, you know, there, there's so many things that that are happening in this conversation. And one of the things that, that Herman talks true and alludes to, which you also alluded to a little bit earlier, again about the billing crisis, Joe Burgers, we hate that shit, right? So you're part of a party that was led by Herman for three years, and in three years did did the triage. What's the problem? How do we do this? How do we fix this? And what I hear you saying is you're saying, I'm going to do what happened in those three years. I'm going to figure out what was wrong. We're going to go back and look and bring all the stakeholders to the table. Where's the, where's the continuity? Where's the continuity between your party's policies and actions? If you were to become the mayor, why would you not continue from where Herman left off? Why would you so start never- again? 
Okay, so what happened in the three years that we were in office, we had about 100,000 billing queries, which we narrowed down to about 9,000 in the space of three years. So that was at a rate of about 90 queries resolved per day in the three-year period. Now, that says that we were moving in the right direction. However, at the three-year mark, that was interrupted. And with that interruption, a lot of the old habits came back. And then we have to, we have to now go back. You can't assume that your diagnosis three years ago is the same one today. You have to do another study of the value chain, look at who dropped the ball, and, and then you can you can design customized solutions to resolve it now going forward. Uh, can I just come in quickly with, with Herman? Uh, Herman, I'm interested in what Action SA is all about, and, and I know that you guys are contesting across the country. Uh, you, you're not just... Not across only six municipalities, but but they're, but they're in different parts of South Africa. You're not you're not just focused on Johannesburg, so so tell us a little bit about your plan and and what kind of a South Africa you envision going forward. Because I think it's important for us to know what your what your optimum conditions would be for South Africans to to operate under, and also what you think of of what's been happening in the last two years. Because you know we heard Julius this morning saying that the EFF no longer going to abide by lockdown regulations. They feel that the ANC is using this to use to 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 establish unfair tactics ahead of the election. Do you feel that lockdown has got in the way of your campaigning, or do you think it is uh, something that all of us have just got to deal with? Look, uh, Gareth, uh, lockdown got into the way of everyone. It did not, uh, there was uh, just no one party can claim to have been disadvantaged. All of us were disadvantaged. And, and at the end of the day, uh, this COVID-19 is a reality, but we needed to adapt. And I think for us as uh, Action SA, we adapted. We operate under these conditions. So that's why we're ready for, for the elections on the 27th of October. We will con- We will continue contesting. Uh, and I live here this morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going out to hit the road. I've got we've got over two hundred thousand uh, 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 volunteers doing some fantastic work, doing door to door, respecting and observing proto- uh, protocols. The days of uh, political parties um, filling up stadium with stolen money; those days are over. It can't really work because otherwise uh, you're right. going to spread uh, this uh, pandemic. So parties must learn to to. Uh, to, to, to adapt. In the first place, they don't have the, 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 the opportunity to steal uh, money any longer because there's no money left in this country to, to, uh, to steal. So steal. if they're thinking that the, 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 the only way to contest is to fill stadium by calling on uh, music festivals and give people boo-boos and entertainment, those days are over. We need to run serious politics. That's why for us as Action SA, one of the core values and which we committed to do was to run primaries, groundbreaking primaries where our public representatives are not elected by by or appointed by party senior officials in smoke-filled rooms. We went out to campaign rent primaries online. We can actually demonstrate to the IEC how to run online platforms secured. We ran one day uh, elections uh, 26 in in, in the three metros in in Johannesburg. At the same time, respecting COVID regulations. So you don't have to break the law and or put uh, people's lives into uh, health into into areas. So it's a question of political parties learning to to adapt. And as a section SA, we've adapted and we offer the people of South Africa the most diverse political party. Party committed 
to the private sector development. The party committed to social justice. Social justice is the core of what uh, we're going to be doing. Those people who are looking for, for racial parties, they can go anywhere else. We we don't have time for, for racists in our, in our, in our yeah, party. So, so we are committed to social justice. I'm going to ask both of you this question. Terman, I've asked you before when you and I had a, a very nice conversation not so long ago. Why would someone like you, who's really, you've got a good life, you've got a wonderful wife, you've got a happy family, you've, you've made a lot of money, you're a successful businessman. I have to ask you again, uh, you know, you, you were mayor of Johannesburg, so you've, you've achieved what, you know, Michael Bloomberg did in, in the U.S. You, you, you're, you're a man who could show that you were capable in not just the world of business, but even in politics. You got elected, and for three years you were mayor of Johannesburg. Now, why are you doing this to yourself? Politics is hard. It's an ungrateful place. You know this because you were mayor. It's not a glamorous job. Being mayor is a horrible job. You're in charge of where people collect rubbish. You're in charge of making sure that billing is done properly. I mean, what you really are is a, is a glorified bureaucrat. Why are you doing this to yourself? And, and Paul, why would you want to do this to yourself? Herman, you start because, you know, I for you, something that's done. I think, uh, Garrett, uh, you look at, I left um, my job as a mayor on the 27th of October 2019. I've not earned a cent out of it. And I ran a project called the People Dialogue that gave birth uh, mm. to this party. I've, I'm not earning a cent, and uh, you can imagine what my family has spent uh, to date uh, to save South Africa from the ANC. Uh, this, for me, is about saving my country. The salary I was earning at, as, a, as, a, um, as, as a mayor, I can tell you, uh, Gareth, was not even 25% of what I was earning on a monthly basis, not what I was making in my family investment. But at the end of the day, it's life about money. No, I'm a capitalist and, and an unapologetic one. But at the same time, I've got a social conscious. I cannot live in a society where we saw so unequal and we expect politicians keep on stealing like the ANC and politicians like the DA saying nature will sort this out. We need a new political dispensation okay. where we can proactively making sure that we bring economic activity in this country. We stop uh, the, the, this thuggery of the ANC. We stop this uh, that this race-based uh, legislation of the ANC. Create uh, business activity so that people As, can get opportunities to work for themselves and is, their is, families. Is, is Connie, in, is, is your wife Connie, is she okay with you doing this again, this political stuff? Because, yes. I mean, <laughs> this poor woman, poor woman. She has this, this lunatic of a husband who's, who's now going to drive her crazy with more campaigning and politics, and it's keeping you very busy. Are you, are you getting any satisfaction out of this? Does it make, make a difference to you when you go to, you said, a Livernote Bosch or Alex? Uh, you know, you go to these places where people really have nothing, and, and they're just, they, they need help so desperately. Do you like being needed? I tell you, uh, this job breaks uh, one's heart. Um, when I started working, running a seven-way coalition regime, uh, up to today, I can't sleep without uh, sleeping tablets. This job is, is brutal. It's a brutal job. 
But at the same time, it's a necessary job. It's a rewarding job if one looks at um, future generations. I think uh, we've seen one government uh, after the other, the last 60 years in Africa, collapsing. And for us to think that, hey, man, you've got money, take your money and run, you think it's an answer. I'm a, I'm a God-fearing person, and I do what I believe is right. Um, uh, my family has given me full, full support, and I'm really okay. internally grateful because Connie and my kids are now looking after our family interest when I'm taking over. And also not just looking after funding us uh, to, to ensure that we can really save this country. It's our contribution as a country okay. to the... It's so important, guys. Ah, it's so important. Yeah. So, Paul, why would you want, why would you want to be mayor? I mean, based on, you know, Herman says it's fulfilling and it's a very rewarding role, but it's also horrible work. Yeah. Look, um, I've always been a community builder, so it's not starting now. And I think my community building activities find expression in different ways, depending on where I am in life. Um, throughout med school, I had a youth group in Mabopani that used to meet at my house in the garage on Fridays. And out of that came, you know, a medical doctor, an engineer, a CEO of a, a multinational. So very proud to see some of the work I did even earlier on in my life. I then went on to run my own company. And I think it was in 2010, I had contract actually with Sasa in two provinces and it was in the northwest province very underdeveloped where I was doing mm -hmm. disability consulting and people were coming to me with their hospital files asking for disability grant because their sugar is 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 uncontrolled or they've had three cesarean sections and then I realized after a while that these people actually just desperate to put food on the table but their place is so underdeveloped that you know the only option they have is to go and ask for a disability grant and bring their hospital file. That really broke me as a person. And you'd have to be a selfish person to not be moved to action after experiencing something like that over and over with every consultation. And that's when I decided to come back to school because I realized I don't have the skills to help these people, but I want to help them. I then came to VIT and I specialized. I spent four years in the system learning how to work across sectors, how to effect large-scale impact, you know, through programs, how to design programs, how to monitor it evaluate programs for success. I did that. And at the end of the four years, my first job had to be in Alexandra, where I was doing casualty services there. And again, I'm in the middle of Alex. And if you've driven through Alex, you know what it's like. The overcrowding, you know, um, sewage running on the streets, lack of water, electricity, joblessness. I was then again moved. And Gareth, I think I cried for a week after experiencing something very traumatic after a hectic call one Sunday morning. And I knew then that I cannot stay here. I'm either going to leave and go back where I come from, or if I'm going to stay, I'm going to be part of the change. And that's when I decided to join politics. Sure. Okay, well... I have a I, question. I have, before, you, yeah, before you move ahead, here, Tom. I have a yes. question. Um, guys, please, I've got a timer. So 60 seconds each for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I'm going to hit the buzzer and I'm going to stop you. Because, no, this is, it's a problem with politicians. You, you know, you, you start out engaged and listening. Mara, after a while, even, you know, everybody's brain kind of moves on, moves away. So, Paul, you come from the medical field and you were MMC. Um, what is it that you've had to unlearn from where you come from in order to be able to make a success of politics. And similarly for you, uh, Herman, is that politics is not 
the world of politics is not the same as the arena of business. What is it that you've had to unlearn and discard in order to make a success of politics? Okay, so I think I already alluded to this before when we were talking about, you know, the mismatch between Mr. Mashaba's leadership style and a party like the Democratic Alliance with its diversity. For me, I was coming from academia. I'd been in adverts for four years. I was a medical doctor. I was used to engaging in a work environment with intelligent people, um, with people who are researchers who are academically inclined. So you are used to engaging at a certain level. You come into politics, you've got political parties that put people in public office without even a matric. And you must be able to win that person over and work with them and have a conversation with them that's going to lead to an agreement towards the the improvement of people's lives. That requires humility. It requires an understanding of who you are, self-awareness. I'm not at wits. I'm not amongst health professionals who've studied for many, many years. I'm amongst people who, who are as lay as the lay person on the street. It, it, it requires you to learn to manage that diversity. It's a diversity of skills it's a diversity of backgrounds for me that's what I that was one of the first things that I, I quickly realized it was a frustration at first uh, but with time I realized that you know even amongst my own colleagues that I've got to be more accommodating more willing to listen more willing to pull other people with me where they may not have the vision that I have and that I cannot be dictatorial some people are not where I am um at okay. yeah your turn <laughs> well I think it's uh, you know for me there's absolutely nothing to unlearn I think uh, uh, my kind of management skill and that is what is wrong with politics in this country where political parties uh, impose uh, uh, people who are not qualified to do their job to be counselors uh, mm. uh, some racist and so forth that is why when we formed uh, action as a was there we're going to run primary so that communities can decide uh, who must be uh, qualified uh, uh, people to really run government. And that's a process that we ran. I don't have the time to, to, for politicians uh, to, uh, to, uh, to impose a racist on me. People are not committed to public service. So that's really something that is terribly wrong with our political system and that is why for us as Section SA we deal with it upfront to make sure that our public office official office bearers are people who are qualified to do the job appointed by the community and they know what their responsibility are. We are not running a crash and I have no intention of running a kindergarten. All right, within, well within time there, Herman. So, so look, both of you seem to me to be people of, of good faith who want to improve the city of Johannesburg. What do you think, for, for, for someone who's growing up now, someone who's in their, maybe their teens or their 20s, what kind of promise does Johannesburg hold? We know that we have many, many millions of people who come to South Africa, uh, come to Johannesburg every day to try and make a, li- a living for themselves, some of them from rural parts of the country, some from other cities. It seems to be, in their minds, the land of opportunity. But we're really not doing the best job we could do in, in Joburg. And let's, let's just, if our, if our audience who are not from Johannesburg will bear with us for a second, let's just talk about this city and what it could be. Because I do like to have an idea of what your vision might be for this, especially you and Paul, because I don't know what your vision is at all. What would you like to see Joburg as? How would you like to see it function? What would you like to see it represent and symbolize to people? 
Firstly, um, you know you know that our predecessors in government in 2016 used to call Johannesburg a world-class African city, something that we've challenged over and over because we're not there yet. It's an aspiration, a good one at that. Um, yeah. But a lot of Africa looks up to Johannesburg. Um, there's a lot of Africans who've never been outside of the African continent, and the closest they can get to life in, in the first world countries is in South Africa. Cape Town is the first world city in South Africa, and I believe that Johannesburg can be become what Cape Town is as well in terms of, you know, how we do things and how we function. Joburg, unfortunately now, still needs to deal with basics. So we still need to deal with fixing the rot. You know, what has happened in the last two years? We need to fix that, get basic services going again. But going forward, I mean, we've had COVID. Um, you know, the digital divide is still prevalent, even in a city like Johannesburg, the economic hub of the African continent. I would like to see us bridge the digital divide. I'd like to see every person in Johannesburg be able to access at least the internet. Why? Because the internet opens you up to a global platform and global opportunities. You can literally be sitting in Johannesburg and working in Singapore or working in another country because you are connected to the the rest of the world through the internet. I believe that that is a gift that as government we should be able to give to our residents. Once people are connected, there's no stopping them to what they can achieve. Um, I would like to see government do less gatekeeping and more opening up of its doors for private sector involvement. Um, our infrastructure backlog, I'd like to see the private sector come in and assist us. But we've hogged the space so much as government. Yes, there's been also legislative um, uh, frameworks that have not really been encouraging for, for public-private partnerships. I know that Treasury has been doing a lot of work to ease um, doing business with government, you know, for the private sector. I'm excited. I think by the end of this year, Treasury promises that we will be able to partner better and quicker with the private sector. I'd like to see the private sector and government be partners in giving residents of Johannesburg the type of city they deserve. Joburg is so rich. It attracts the best minds in the country. We've got some of the most talented people in Johannesburg. I'm happy that my kids are growing up in Joburg because I, I can only imagine what they will become being exposed to all this this talent. But if our hearts are in the right place, we stop the corruption, we bring everyone together, we find ways to work together, this will definitely be achieved. You sound truly evangelical. I want to say hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> Herman, how would, how would you like to see Joburg go from here on in? Well, I think uh, if we need to really be realistic and pragmatic about uh, uh, fixing Johannesburg, we first have to remove uh, this corrupt ANC government out of power and uh, put in professional people to to, uh, to run government on a non-partisan basis. Uh, we need to deal with corruption, uh, force uh, um, uh, our criminal justice system to punish uh, wrongdoing. Uh, we we need to collapse all these uh, 13, 14 uh, state-owned entities, city-owned entities mm-hmm. like City Power, Joe Water. We're creating an, an, a necessary bureaucracy because ANC started this entity 
is to provide uh, jobs for their pearl, for their pearl, for their friends and uh, comrades. We need to collapse all of them. They must fall under the city of Johannesburg. Have an HOD respond, respond, reporting to the city manager. We need to take back our city from this international criminal syndicates. Work with the private sector to build affordable accommodation for our people and 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 uh, and, um, and businesses. We need to to get rid of. Um, people, foreign nationals who are in this country legally. We've got to foster uh, home affairs because they have a constitutional mandate and duty to ensure that everyone who's in this country is here legally and when they're here they must respect our laws. So we will hold them accountable to ensure that uh, the 12 million of our own people are to the ones getting the first priority. South Africa or Johannesburg cannot be used by failed uh, uh, governments all of the world uh, to outsource their problems to us when we have our own people to really take care of. So if you don't really deal with those basic issues, everything else will be a pipe dream, will just be a, a political uh, rhetoric. We've got practical issues that you've got to really deal with. And, and I think... Mm. Uh, really illustrated uh, some of them. So the rule of law is uh, yep. very crucial. Otherwise, uh, without the rule of law, forget about uh, actually building an economy. Well, um, I mean, the, 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 the vision both of you seem to have in common is that there is lots that we need to do both for the people right at the bottom in Johannesburg who are struggling and suffering and living in appalling conditions. There are squatter camps all over the city that are not only the most insanitary and dangerous places for people from a health point of view, but they offer no opportunity. And those people are probably trapped there if they're born there. Um, and that's very sad. And then we've got these extremely rich neighborhoods where those people feel that the only purpose government serves to them is to take their money and abuse it or steal it. And, and we've got to find a way of reconciling these two things. Herman, there's a very specific question from somebody about the allegations that have been leveled at you many times about uh, xenophobia. Do you want to address that? It's it's something that comes up time and time again. Is your party xenophobic? Well, uh, our party is for the rule of law. I think if uh, you look at uh, the constitution of the Republic of South Africa through home affairs, people of the world uh, must come to South Africa. This country was built at the back of uh, migrants, and we must continue on the trajectory. That's the only way we can build a successful economy and country. But people must come here legally, and when they're here, they must respect our laws. Otherwise, uh, I can assure you as Action SA, anyone who's in this country illegally uh, and received South African identity on a fraudulent basis, we are unapologetic about that. We want to send them back to their countries. If, that's if, not if the that's allegation. What, if, 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 if that's what you call xenophobia, then let it be. No. That is not the allegation. The allegation is not that you are xenophobic. The allegation is that your utterances fan xenophobia, which leads to the criminality that we have been seeing of people being burnt in the streets. You may not think you are being xenophobic, but your utterances give credence to people who feel that way and have do not have the law on their side. And so burn and kill people in the streets. That but is that, the allegation. But surely for me, you not ever hear me say that before? Exactly how you have expressed it. Yeah. Tell me that uh, you ever given. Uh, you must listen to what I'm saying. People are not saying that you are xenophobic. They are saying your utterances 
fuel xenophobia. And that is something that you have to take seriously because that is what the constituents and that is what people who are looking at you and looking at your party are saying, this guy and the things he says creates this dis-ease in me as a voting person. Therefore, I cannot support him. You, yeah, you don't have to respond to that. Let, you don't let, have to let, respond let, to it. No, the let, statement, let it respond. doesn't require a response. It doesn't require a response. No, no, go ahead. Those who are beneficiaries of this criminality, they want to silence us and they're not going to be silenced. So people who burn people in the streets want to silence you, is what you are saying? No, no. People no, okay, thank you. But, but also, surely surely there's this, there's a there's a jump that's being taken here that's a bit too extreme. You, you know, you could say pretty much anything. It doesn't mean that you're encouraging others. We have laws in this country about hate speech and incitement to violence. As far as I can tell, Herman hasn't been accused of incitement to violence by any police or, or court body. Uh, so, I mean, to, to say fact, that... my is, case was taken to the Human Rights Commission. They investigated. What you are claiming, uh, 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 South African Human Rights Commission did a study, investigated everything, and actually the, the South African, uh, the Africa diaspora ended up actually wanting to join my court case because they realized I was actually fighting for them so that they don't have to be on the periphery of society. Yeah. Where does this come from, Herman, in your opinion? Because we do hear this come up time and time again. Uh, is, is, there a, is there a problem in communication here? Is it your party not, not communicating your point of view here? Or is there, is there a group of people who you think are actively targeting you on this front? Well, it, it, uh, you know, the, the criminal the syndicates uh, who are the benefiting out of this. To just give an example, uh, when uh, the Gupta's came out with the white monopoly capital, you remember uh, mm-hmm. uh, the narrative. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, people who are benefiting out of criminality, they'll find a way to obviously decre- discredit constitutional uh, the, the matters that, uh, that are genuine. So I think we are not going to be deterred, and I'm not going to be silenced by anyone. I have the constitution of the Republic of South Africa to protect uh, this country and protect me. Um, so, Paul, a lot of people are saying that you haven't really got a worldliness. I don't know if this is a fair criticism. Someone said here earlier, you only really know Joburg, um, and, and maybe in their opinion, that's not good enough. What do you say to that, especially when it comes to, you know, there's this argument over and over again in politics that unless you have experience, you shouldn't be in politics. But it seems to me the experienced ones are very often the most corrupt because they've been in the system so long that they've made it work for them rather than for the people who elected them. Um, Gareth, I think I, I've shared my story, and I think I did say that my, the turnaround for me, I was in the Northwest province, you know, when I decided to go back to school and, and improve my skills so I can assist people. But the program that I was a part of at Wits University is actually a global program, um, public health. It's not, it's, not, it's not only restricted to the Joburg setting. I mean, it's an experiential training program where you're immersed in the services. I spent six months at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases, six months at the National Institute for Occupational Health. And within such a platform, you're interfacing with the entire world. You're not just interfacing with Johannesburg. I think we need to understand that, you know, we're in the business of administration or governance, governing the affairs of the land. Um, Yes, I may not have experience um, being in exile or doing or singing struggle songs, but I've got experience governing or, or understanding problems, diagnosing and understanding problems and designing solutions 
solutions and implementing those solutions all the way up to the monitoring and evaluation of those solutions. So so it's not true that um, I only know Johannesburg. I just happened to have stayed in Joburg after having arrived in 2011 to come and study. Listen, both of you, I appreciate your time. I know how busy you both are, and, and I wish you both luck. I mean, it just it, it makes me very pleased to know that there are two smart, sensible people who have, it seems, the interest of Johannesburg and this country at heart. I wish you the best of luck. I would never run for office. Pumi says she is uh, one of those people who's constantly going on about how we need to do it for ourselves. We need to stand up take the reins of leadership and make the difference in our communities. That's what you're doing. You're putting yourselves out there, Herman and Poor, and you're allowing us to, to make a decision on our own futures and trust you with leadership. I hope that uh, the two of you have great success in these upcoming elections, and I'm delighted that you could make time for us this morning. Thank you both. Thank you very Thank you much. So much. And happy birthday, Herman. Um, Paul, we'll see you again soon. Pumelele, thank you very much for uh, being as, as hardcore as you always are. And uh, thanks, everybody, for your birthday wishes to me this morning, too, as well as to Herman. We will see you tomorrow, bright and early, 6 a.m. Have a great day. Cheers, everybody.